Revelation chapter 3. We begin today with verse 7, as Brother Teddy Phillips so eloquently read a little while ago. We're continuing the study from last Wednesday night concerning the church at Philadelphia. We call this the church with a green light. It's interesting how many times we speak of the traffic lights as red lights. I find myself sometimes telling one of our evangelists or special speaker who's going to be here, we, we have them stay out at a motel out near the Greenwood Interchange, and I'll say now it's about nine red lights till you get to Small House and turn left. One of them said one day, well, suppose the light's not red. So I thought of this thought, the green light. And the church at Philadelphia was a church with a green light. A number of years ago, a couple of our, in our church, had a little child, Alan Donna Carmody. The little boy's name was Jason. They were here on Sunday, and Jason always would speak to me and come and put his arms around me. He was about two years old. And he told me that next week he was going to Chicago. I said, Jason, I wish you wouldn't go. He said, well, you talk to Mom and Daddy. I talked to them, and they insisted they had to go. So they went to Chicago. On their way back, coming through Louisville at Arthur Street, a truck came behind them and hit them. It killed little Jason. He's buried out at Muddy Cemetery out on Morgantown Road. The night he was killed, we were in a basketball game at Hadley. Brother Lonnie, the mayor of Hadley, had very graciously allowed our team to use the gym out there. And the word came, the Carmody's have had an accident. They need you. So, got in the car, and I asked God, Lord, give me green lights all the way through Bowling Green and all the way through Louisville. And I hate to tell you what I set that speedometer on. And then I prayed as I got near Elizabethtown, Lord, let a policeman stop me. Because then I'll have a, I'll have a, 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 somebody to help me through all these lights. Well, you know, just outside of Elizabethtown, that blue light went on, and he stopped me, and I told him what I was doing. He said, well, follow me. And he gave me an escort all the way to Louisville and through all the lights till we got to that hospital. And I thought, isn't it wonderful to have a green light, to be able to go and just keep on going and not stop? And I thought of the church at Philadelphia. That's the kind of church it was. Let me read it to you. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, chapter 3, verse 7, write these things, saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works, 
Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. He shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. The church was founded in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus had gathered his best friends. He began to say to them, who do, I, some, who do they say that I, the Son of Man, am? And some of them said, well, you're Jeremiah, or you're one of the prophets. And Jesus turned to Simon Peter. He said, but who do you say I am? And Simon Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. And then Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, Petros, a little pebble. But upon this rock, or Petra, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church is God's called out assembly of believers, a local church here, a local church there. There is a sense in which the church is universal only in the sense as Christ sees it from his vantage point. He can look across the world. He can look across this congregation. And he can know who is really in his church and who isn't. Who are the real believers and who are the superficial professors. The real believers or his church without spot or wrinkle, we will be in his presence one day in the glory. Right now, the term church, ecclesia, refers to a called out local assembly of believers. And we read that in Revelation chapters 2 and 3 about the seven churches. There was the church at Ephesus. It had left its first love, symbolizing the first century church. Then there was a church at Smyrna, a church under severe suffering, roughly symbolizing that church age between 100 A.D. and 312 A.D. And then the church at Pergamos from 312 to 1000 A.D. Church at Pergamos, false teachers. And then the church at Thyatira from 1000 to 1500, the church with mixed up behavior, all kinds of moral problems in the church. And then the church at Sardis from 1500 to 1700, a church that had a name that it was alive, but it was really dead. Doctrinally sound, but it lost its soul winning zeal.
they didn't really care. They roughly are like the people who were extreme ultra-conservative, ultra-Calvinistic people today who believe that if God wants to convert the heathen, he'll do it without your help or mine. And a lot of Christians in churches today look at it like that about their people in the city. We say, well, look, we have a church on almost every corner. The people know where the church is. If they get hungry for the church, let them go, and they can find some message that will help them. But that isn't what Jesus said. He said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And the word picture there is the church marching out to do the work of God right at the gates of hell, and the gates of hell will not prevail. They'll not be able to withstand. And so when the church does its job, when the church does its holy mission, there will be people saved. There may be persecution. There may be suffering. But there will be people saved. And then the church at Philadelphia. The church roughly from 1700 to 1950. Maybe in many instances still. The church with an open door. The church with a green light. The church with a passion and a mission to go with Christ after the lost. Now there are three characteristics, maybe four, of that church. And we read it right in the scripture. He says in verse 8, I give you a door that's open, no man can shut it, for thou hast, kept, thou hast a little strength. Number two, thou hast kept my word. Number three, thou hast not denied my name. Verse 10, number four, thou hast kept the word of my patience. Now, Let's think of that for just a moment or two. What does it mean you have a little strength? Now this is the kind of church that I would to God Glendale Baptist Church could be. And I believe in many instances we are. But he says you have a little strength. That means you're not big in numbers. You don't have thousands and thousands coming. You don't have kings and potentates that are members of your church. You don't have the in-crowd of the city in your church. You don't have the kind of influence that some count on. You know what is a weakness in some churches, and it's never been a weakness here. That is, many churches elect deacons who are bankers, who are lawyers, who are politicians, who have a name that everybody will recognize. And they try to run the church like they run their politics or like they run the bank. Jesus said, you don't do that at Man. Philadelphia. Wow. You have a little strength. You're not proud. You're not arrogant. Man. You don't really have anything to, to brag about. Do you know... Glendale Church was the first church in Bowling Green that had black people come. After the Civil War, before that, the black and white people worshiped together. I'm grateful for black people. I love them. We welcome them. Somebody said one time when I was going to have a, a black preacher come and preach, this is a white church. I said, when did we ever vote to make this a white church? I looked in the minutes. It never was in there. 
This is God's church, a people's church. And we invite anybody, whosoever will, may come. If they're willing to repent of sin, turn away from sin, turn away from self, and turn away from the world and the flesh and the devil, they're welcome to become part of this fellowship. He said, your church is a, you have little strength. There's no pride there. There's nothing to brag about. You don't have a lot of highfalutin things going on in your church. We sang the song a while ago, Encamped around the hills of light, ye Christian soldiers rise, and press the battle ere the night shall veil the glowing skies. Faith is the victory. And the church with little strength had to depend upon God because we couldn't depend on ourselves. And folks, that's been the history of Glendale Baptist Church for years. We have no other alternative but depend on God. I'm thankful. From the very beginning, when we first started, and Lee Kennedy testified this, we had nothing. Nineteen members met in a house that a man mortgaged his own home for so we could have a place to meet for 14 months or longer. And then we came over here, floated a bond issue, bought a sinkhole. You laugh. That's true. People used to live on McElroy years ago, tell me the story of coming over here and playing around this sinkhole. When we came here, it was a sinkhole. The city has done a lot to help us. But when it rained, water got in the basement of this church. Sometimes it still does. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> and we floated a bond issue and paid $30,000 to build that first issue, that first building over there. We got in a position where we needed additional building. We had a meeting of the committee. We had $50 in the bank. I said, we need to build. The committee said, we need to build. So with $50, we hired a derrick, and he came out here, and the first thing he did is hit a water main, broke it, and water went everywhere in building that flat roof building, which became our beautiful auditorium for a long time. And then we had a radio broadcast, the anchored broadcast. It's now in its 40th year. And a lady heard the broadcast and said, I want to drive out and see what's going on. She came out here and saw we were in a building pro. Saw that Derek out there. She called me on the phone and said, you think you could use $25,000? <laughs> I said, please come over. <laughs> and God blessed. Amen. Just a little strength. Not a whole lot. Nothing you really can lean on except your good name. Accept your faith. And Jesus said, Philadelphia, I want to give you an open door because you've had little strength. You've not depended on yourselves. Faith is the victory. Secondly, he said, uh, you have kept my word. Now, the word of God is precious and powerful faithful. And when the church keeps the Word of God, there are two ways to look at it. Number one, we keep it. That is, we believe it. We hold to it. We don't veer from it. 
We believe from Genesis to Malachi and from Matthew to Revelation, we believe the Word. And I believe God's church at Glendale has, through the years, had a history of believing the Word. The Philadelphia church believed the Word and kept the Word. Now, the second meaning of keeping the Word is to practice it. Sometimes we fall short here. We believe it, but do we always practice it? For example, the Bible says, Bring all the tithe into the storehouse and prove me now. Herewith saith the Lord of hosts, I will not open you the windows of heaven, pour you a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Do we all tithe? You know, if we all tithed every Sunday, first day of the week, every one of you lay by him in store as God of the prosperity, if every one of us would do that, there'd be no gatherings when I come. That is, no special offerings. You'd have plenty of funds to do the work of God worldwide. And you know what else would happen? Here's where faith comes in. Individuals would be blessed by God. You'll be blessed. Why don't you try it? Just try it. Through the years, we've had a lot of poor people in our church. Some poor folks, and we all could classify ourselves that way, but some have very, very little finances, make very little money. And many of them have said, well, I just can't afford to tithe. You don't know my situation. But we had an exceedingly poor family a number of years ago. They lived in a little house, rented it, kept the children clean, but they didn't have new clothes all the time. They walked to church. They didn't have a car. But every Sunday, everyone in the family brought his tithe envelope from the little children to the adults. You know what happened? God began to bless them. I wish I could tell you today they have three Rolls Royces and live in a pink palace, but that isn't true. They have enough. And they're not poverty-stricken. They were faithful to the Lord. Amen. Now, I heard about a family in Texas that heard a preacher talk about tithing and promised this and that and the other for about tithing. And so the guy decided to tithe, and he brought his tithe, and he didn't get rich. So he went to a lawyer and got a lawyer to sue the church because he didn't get all that he thought he ought to get. And you know what the, the church did? The church very willingly gave him his tithe back. You know how much they gave him? $10.60. <laughs> that was his tithe. Now, this church at Philadelphia had kept his word. The word of God. What about separated living? Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. This church was that kind of church. It had standards. You know, you're not saved by standards. Nobody is more saved because he doesn't drink than he would be if he did drink. Ooh, wait a minute. No, drinking doesn't make you lost, and quitting drinking doesn't make you saved. You're only born again by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, when Jesus comes into your heart, if you know the same Savior that I know, he'll say to you, you don't need that drink anymore. You don't need those cigarettes anymore. 
You don't need that dancing anymore. You don't need that immorality anymore. You just don't need it because I am your all in all. And I'll be with you and I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Standards don't save you, but when you get saved, the Holy Spirit will put on your heart some standards. And you want to serve Him and live where God answers prayer. This Philadelphia church had kept His word. They had not denied it. Then the third thing, they had not only kept his word, but look, they didn't deny my name. They did not deny my name. How in the world do we deny the name of Jesus? Have you ever been afraid? Fear is an awful thing. During the awful depression years in 30, well, from 29 to 39, Franklin Roosevelt would come with the fireside chats by radio. And I appreciate him so much. He was never afraid to mention God. He often quoted scriptures. He was a Democrat of the Democrats. I love him, respect him, and honor him to this day. He used to say, America, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Fear is an awful thing. It wraps its tentacles around us and chokes us and draws us down into some little equivocal thing. When this scripture says they have not denied my name, that is, they did not deny the power of God to overcome fear. Amen. Fear is an awful thing. I read about the girl in Germany during Hitler's regime and the uh, seems that they were in church and the Nazis came and outside they put a big picture of Jesus on the ground like a canvas. They announced everybody that comes out of this building and spits on that picture and walks over it, you'll be all right. If you do not spit on that picture and try to walk around it, we'll kill you. Well, those young people began to go out of church and they looked at the guns and they looked at that picture. They started spitting, walking over it until a certain girl came along with tears in her eyes. She looked down at that picture. She said, I cannot spit on that. That's my savior. And she walked around the picture and they shot her. 25 others came out. They were all shot. Because that one girl had the faith to not deny the name of Jesus. Yeah. I want to ask you, what do we do about that today? In our lifestyles, do we deny the name of Jesus or do we honor him? Do we respect him? Jesus said that Philadelphia church, I'm going to give you a green light and nobody can shut it. And you can go to the ends of the earth and carry the message of Jesus. The city of Philadelphia <clears throat> was located in a place where there had been many earthquakes. And when the earthquakes would come, they'd go out of the city and try to protect themselves from falling buildings and so on. Then they'd come back and rebuild, and that happened over and over again. They knew what it was to be afraid, but they kept on rebuilding at that same place. Philadelphia was situated in a place right at the entranceway of Asia Minor. 
And the church at Philadelphia began to feed the gospel out to all that area of Asia Minor. And God used the Philadelphia church as a great missionary church like the church in Antioch because it did not deny the name of the Lord, because it kept his word, because it recognized it had a little strength. It wasn't proud. It wasn't arrogant. It didn't have something to lean back on. Only Jesus. And you know what the Lord said to that church? Listen. Because thou hast kept my word of patience, I also will keep thee in the hour of temptation. He said, listen, to him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God. Now, in the, in the days of, of the church at Philadelphia, when a great warrior would die, somebody that everybody respected, they'd make another pillar and put in the temple. And the name of that person would be on that pillar. Like today, we build monuments to great men who have gone on. And Jesus said, Philadelphia, I want to make you a pillar. And he has done that for 2,000 years. People have been bringing the church at Philadelphia to the attention of God's people. The church with an open door. And then he said, what else? He said, I'm going to make you a pillar. And he said, I will write upon you the name of my God. Now you turn to Revelation 22 and he says, his servants will serve him and my name will be in their foreheads. Those who overcome, those whose faith is in Jesus Christ, will have the name of Christ branded upon them here and for all eternity. You think of that. That's a marvel. And then he says, the name of my God, the new Jerusalem that cometh down, and I will write upon him my new name. We all know that. In Revelation, we find the man coming from heaven on a white horse. And there was a name written on him that nobody could name, nobody could see. But out of his mouth proceeded the word of God. He was Jesus, the incarnate Son of God. And the name of Christ will be upon those who have not denied his name. Would you like for Glendale to be like the church at Philadelphia? It can be. It begins, first of all, at Calvary. It begins by coming to Christ and trusting Him as Savior and Lord. And then it begins and goes on by taking seriously this book and believing it and heeding it and practicing it and saying, Dear God, we're not going to worry about whether we're big or little. We're going to dig deep into the Word and stand by the Word of God. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father, we thank you for the Philadelphia church, the church with a green light. Help us to have a green light to go into the highways and hedges in Bowling Green, Warren County, Kentucky, United States, and to the uttermost parts of the earth with the message of Jesus. We pray in his name. Amen. Let's stand, please. What's our hymn? 167. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come to thee. Would you come to Jesus today just as you are? You don't have to get better first. You just have to come like you are and say, Lord, I need you. I invite you to come into my heart and be my Savior. While we sing, while we pray, 167, will you come this morning?